Party people. Party people in the place to be. This is episode freaking 35 of Free Advice. 35, look alive. We are pretty settled down in our lives. We have solid careers going. Maybe we're starting a family. Spoken like a true 28 slash 29 year old. <laughs> what are you? No, I don't know. I don't you, plan right? to have those 29. Yeah. I don't have a plan to necessarily we'll have those see. things that figured out we'll by 35. See. I talk to a lot of 35 year olds that do not have that much figured out, yeah. but some do. It depends. Yeah. Uh, skip ahead to episode 462 <laughs> to see what Morgan's doing at 35. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, some people are at 35 and they've now done sort of a full cycle of like, okay, I've been in this career for a little while and now I'm not sure that I want to like mm-hmm. go to the next level in it. Do I want to do something else? Yeah. Am I happy? People are, because of our paths diverge so much yeah. and people aren't just sticking with one career or starting a family super early, anything can be happening at 35. The point is, if you're listening to a BuzzFeed article that says, here's what 35 is like, here's what happens <laughs> at 35, you need to get the fuck off BuzzFeed, Okay. <laughs> I think if you're doing anything on BuzzFeed, you need to get the fuck off BuzzFeed. It's my general feedback on BuzzFeed. If you're eating bees, <laughs> you need to stop. Yeah. Not good. Great. Um, any advice that you want to ask me for? Um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could have so come valued. up with something, but I just don't feel like it. Okay. TBH. dead air (laughs) okay what do you want me to have something no it's fine okay great then why are you looking at me in a way that's lingering i don't know is there anything you want to ask me oh oh i see i see you know if you want to ask for advice you can just do it you don't have to like foe ask me first what if you weren't ready what if i wasn't ready what do you mean are you ready for me to ask you for advice oh always sometimes what advice do you want to ask you weren't ready because you had to ask me again (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm ready Sometimes when I'm eating apple, I push it hard against the roof of my (laughs) mouth with my tongue and it gives me a headache. What should I do? I don't like headaches. I do like apple. If you know that that's what happens when you do that, is it avoidable? I don't know. Just give me advice. I would not do that. How? (laughs) It gives you headaches. It happens. It's not I'm trying to do it. I do it by accident. Which part are you pushing against the roof of your mouth? The big chunk of apple. That I put in but my like, mouth. is it the skin? Is it like a I corner? Guess. I've always cut them into triangles, and mm-hmm. so it's like the top I, of the push, wedge. Yeah, yeah. You bite it that way. It just it goes in my mouth, and then when I'm chewing other pieces of apple, I suppose it it hits the roof of my mouth. And if you can be conscious about it, you could focus on chewing it from more the back of your mouth and like either side, so that you're grinding it with the molars and not like. What? I'm just going to switch to applesauce. Okay? You're like, Solved. you're like, what advice Solved. do you have? And I'm like, the only way to not do it is to not do it. No, thanks. <laughs> just by stating it out loud, you've made me realize my error was not eating applesauce all the time for all my meals. <laughs> Next. Okay. Lightning round. <laughs> Setting the pace a storm for a quick lightning round. Yeah. Oh, is that the lightning round? Yes, little children, it is. That was a child... It sounded like a dead witch. I'm scared of lightning. (laughs) Well, you know, don't you believe in reincarnation? 
Is that a Jamaican can't, can't some children be dead witches from past lives? 100%. You got me there. All right, kids. Shut the fuck up. We got to <laughs> get to the lightning round. Even, I don't care if you are a witch. Okay. Tanzacorn asks, how to fight hormones? Hmm. Ever get the urge to cry or be a lazy blob or beat the shit out of someone all of a sudden? These feelings are all counterproductive to my enjoyment of life. I feel like it's caused almost completely by my hormones changing over the month. Mm. But stopping short of hormone regulation, how can I prevent my menstrual cycle from ruining the better part of a week every month? Menopause can't come fast enough. And neither can I. I can never seem to come fast enough. JK, I added the last part. Thanks. Lots of love, Tanzacorn. <laughs> Woof. Yeah, hormones are such a mess, and it's so hard to tease apart what is my hormones? What is like a medication I might be on? What is just a natural fluctuation of mood? What is the circumstances around me? And teasing those things apart can be just such a mess. Yeah. Oof. I want to start with just a little understanding of what a hormone is. Okay. Um, in your brain... There are neurotransmitters that regulate activity and cause you to feel or think or, you know, have certain emotional responses. And in your body, your body's neurotransmitters essentially are hormones, which cause certain things to be activated or deactivated. And my biology teacher in ninth grade, Doc Mallow, asked us, what? <laughs> you like Sounds more like a rapper. Doc Mallow on the mic. He'd say, yo, 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 guys, how do you make a hormone? Yeah. And the answer was you put a dollar in her underwear. Yeah. I cannot believe a ninth grade teacher made that joke. <laughs> he did. He did. That's so rough. Fireable. That's fireable. <laughs> nope. The Koreans loved it. <laughs> <laughs> the Koreans said, oh, yes, more of that, please, in their perfect English. <laughs> <sighs> well, boy, where are we going with this? Anyway, <sighs> so hormones. Straight to jail. Straight, Straight to, to jail. Us and Doc Mallow rap, rapping on the block. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So given that definition yeah. of hormones, yes. it's as the body's sort of regular regulators of different yeah. processes. Um, what advice do we have for Tanzacorn? Hmm. Short of hormone regulation. Yeah. I mean, I think the best thing that you can do is track and reflect and anticipate and whatever you can do to yeah. offset, you know, so ex experimenting, how does exercise affect you when you're on your period or whenever you're on the, the mm -hmm. whether it's pre your period or mm -hmm. post your period, um, uh, how does exercise affect you? How does sleeping more, sleeping less? How does a cold eat? shower? Yeah. How to, how to like different bodily modifiers. And then how mm -hmm. does like taking a little bit more you time or taking, um, or investing yourself more into your work, you know, play with these different dials mm -hmm. and write in your journal like, okay, yes. today I ate really sugary, really fatty processed food and I felt amazing or, and I felt <laughs> like shit. And then next month I think I'd like to try eating, um, not so sugary and not so processed food and I'll see what I feel like then. 
and you know, keep track of these things and be specific about your feelings. Like my stomach feels bloated or my face feels uh, cramped, you know, like my jaw feels tight. When you really know a lot about what it's like to be on your period. I don't, I don't. I, was, <laughs> I, I know what it's like to be a human being with emotional totally. frustrations and you can feel these things in different parts of your body. Like my That's hands true. feel like they're making fists or, you know, my toes are curled up tight and I'm noticing like do a body scan yeah. right in that. And then think about moments during the day where you noticed a particular mood that surprised you or that stood out to you, write this stuff down, reflect on it, and then fiddle with the knobs. That's all the advice yeah. I have. I think yeah. you are better equipped to answer this question. So I'd love to hear from you. Potentially. But um, so, yeah, I think the, the best thing is if you're not going to actually be kind of tinkering with the, the hormones themselves, knowledge is power. You got to know those patterns inside and out as much as you can. And I know that can be a really frustrating thing to have to do. Cause it's yeah. like, ugh, like I, I just wish I didn't have to deal with all of these complications. Mm -hmm. And that makes perfect fucking sense because the reality is a lot of people don't or have to do, have to deal with it in a way that's less severe. Um, and so that sucks. Um, I'm pretty fortunate in terms of my menstrual cycle. Um, and I have a lot of empathy for people that are totally like knocked out by whatever happens to them during that period yeah. of time. Um, but yeah, so I would get sort of a, like a monthly diary basically mm -hmm. and write about what is your experience during the different kind of phases yes. of the month, uh, document what happens to you, different events in your life that, that evoke stress or emo different emotions, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, the things that you eat to some extent, your exercise, three, what's going on in your relationships yes. and in on your in your home, because those are often things that stress us out much more than we realize or give them credit for or want to acknowledge. Um, I want to say, yeah. just offer the three pillars of the body well-being as movement, sleep, and diet. Mm -hmm. Diet including water and hydration, mm -hmm. and uh, movement being all kinds of exercise and versus stillness. Uh, mm -hmm. You can add an optional fourth category of drugs if you're mm. on any kind of caffeine or mm -hmm. if you're someone who drinks alcohol or does any yeah. kind of uh, antidepressant or whatever. You know, most yeah. people are on some drug. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, I would assume that since you are aware that this even is a hor hormonal changes, yeah. you have some insight into um, the different phases and, and stages of the month for yourself, yeah. but getting really specific about uh, recognizing the patterns as, as detailed as you can yeah. get. Like I'll notice, uh, you know, okay, during the week before my period, you know, my breasts get really tender or I am more horny or, you know, whatever those little patterns are where you see them and then you go, Oh yeah, this always happens when I'm, you know, at my third week, whatever. Um, and you may already have, but you know, just for anyone listening to this, especially, well, only women listening to this. Um, there are different like period tracking apps that you can use to get a better sense of kind of like what's going on throughout the month and the fluctuations um, within your body. And you can punch in different data. I use one called Flow. It's just F-L-O. Um, it's called Flow Period Tracker. And it gives you pretty good predictions of like when your cycle is going to be. It tells you when you're ovulating. You can also use this if you are looking to conceive specifically. Mm. Um, a baby. A, ba a baby, yes. <laughs> Not like a business um, plan. 
Right. And you can tell it like how heavy is your flow? Um, Did you drink water? Did you masturbate? How was your sex drive? All these different variables. But this kind of just gives you a template for the different data you can be tracking. Can I use this app just to tell it when I masturbate? Just I want to have an app that I can tell when I masturbate. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) You probably have to answer a bunch of personal questions that you'll have to just make up the answer to. I just I really want to use the tell it that I'm masturbating feature. There's something that appeals to me about that. Yeah. I don't need to dig too deep into if that's okay. Yeah. But so the idea of uh, trying to a- ascertain what are your patterns in a way that's really detailed is number one, if you are aware of them, then you have that's step one towards making any changes. Step one. Um, and then if you become aware that, okay, uh, what was one of the examples sh- she used? Did she have something specific? Um, a the urge to cry, be a lazy blob, yeah. or beat the shit out of someone all of a sudden. Okay. Yeah. So so noticing those maybe the the sharpness of the fluctuations yeah. or that you repeatedly have an urge to cry um, and preparing for that going into it. If you're like, that's something that happens week two, um, and it may not be this precise, but giving yourself a little leeway to for those things to take place and having some outlets for that energy that's where I'm, ready to go. Yeah. Um, I recommend some type of emotional expression that you schedule into your weekly routine. Mm-hmm. I have thankfully discovered this group called Everyman. It's a men's emotional support group where for a couple minutes each week, I am just validated by people that I trust unconditionally. They validate whatever emotions I'm experiencing and their goal is to help me express them better, mm-hmm. especially the emotions that are tough for me to express on my own, which are anger, shame, fear, mm-hmm. grief. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that group is just for men, but, um, Tansy corn, I think that you could probably find an equivalent for women. I think you might look up something like a women's circle or a emotional support group. Generally, mm-hmm. this is not just for people who are crazy or who have some serious issue. This is something that everyone could benefit from and would benefit from, I believe. So I, highly recommend looking for something that can help you fill that need. It doesn't need to be exactly my organization or something structured just like the one that I'm a part of. Even if it's just like a weekly check-in with a couple friends that you do informally, I think especially the weeks that you don't want to do this are the times when it is most helpful. Yeah. I definitely think that when you are dealing with something in your body that can be so, that can feel so like I'm alone in this, having Mm -hmm. a community around it, or at least people that, understand it to some extent, if not having the same experience as you, but can still offer you that empathy and say like, Oh, like I've felt like that before. And yes, this is why it sucks. Or this is what I did. Um, I had something else I was going to say, but I don't The person you want to beat the shit out of, you don't necessarily need to take your anger out on them. You might find that if you're really mad at somebody and you just express that anger to another person that's trusted and who can keep this stuff a secret, it, it may be, Um, good to just hit a pillow with their support of them holding up a pillow and you punching the shit out of it. You might find that like, if you do that until you break a sweat, Oh, I don't actually feel that much anger. Like you don't always have to, sometimes it can be helpful, but you don't always have to process the emotion on the person that is the target of that emotion. So if you're really Mm -hmm. angry at somebody, you can write the letter to them that you never send out. I I highly recommend the thing that I just said of writing the letter that you never send to them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Write it and you'll feel lighter. 
And then you yeah. can talk to you, then you can the next day or something, look at it and be like, okay, what parts of this should they actually hear? Yeah. What's just helpful for me to say and what's actually helpful for them to hear. And when you craft your message with kindness, you never have to worry about being um, rude or like doing something that's overstepping a bound. If you're the content of your message must be honest. You owe it to yourself to have that integrity, but the presentation of your message to another person um, can be moderated just by being in a place of balance and having already expressed these things and feeling whole yourself. Then when you craft your message, it's going to take care of itself and you're going to do it in a loving way. Yeah. The other thing about when you have that sort of very infantile um, or immature desire, like you desire to express your anger in a way that's mm -hmm. quite immature, such as just punching someone in the face. That's an indicator. Sometimes too that the right move. Very rarely. <laughs> sure. I just want to put that out there that as a last resort. You can punch someone it for is, sure. <laughs> it is, and especially if they consent to it. And there are times when that is helpful for people to do. Um, generally, but, it's a bad idea. Let me just say that too. Sure. We're, we don't generally condone violence. Yeah. Um, but, uh, oh, so yeah, when, you're, when your expression is that sort of immature, it, it clues you into like, okay, this is something that I haven't really worked through too much. I don't understand it that well. And I think that's a great time to do the letter writing exercise because the stakes are at zero. It's yeah. just you. I mean, it is still hard sometimes to convince yourself to actually sit down and do the damn yeah. thing. Just remember you can stop whenever you want. You totally. can set a goal if that helps you, or you can be like, I'm just going to write one sentence about it. Oh, another thing came up. All right, I'll add two. All right, I'll just write one paragraph and then I'll be done. And you may find, oh, I've filled three pages. And you may realize that underneath what is just this immature expression of anger towards someone is more complicated feelings. Yeah. Um, it could be about them. It could be about you. It could be about some other situation that they're reminding you of. And it could also be, you could also uncover like, oh, I am just having excessive emotionality because of my hormones and where I'm at during the month. And all of that is okay. Um, but yeah, writing the letter to yourself, uh, you know, or on your own eliminates the risk of, you know, dumping emotions that don't belong to someone else because they are being exacerbated by your, your bodily circumstances. Yes. It, it clears that up. Yes. Um, I've heard the acronym HALT. Uh, mm -hmm. You should never have a difficult conversation or express your serious feelings with a person when you are hungry, angry, loopy, or tired. Loopy? loopy huh. or lonely. This 12-step uh, programs uh -huh. call it lonely. Uh -huh. This was on the, the usual error of this book. They call it loopy as it, under the influence of drugs. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So in 12 steps, they're assuming you're not doing that anyway, right. I guess. But right, right. Um, for the purposes of people who do do drugs sometimes, don't choose a time to have these conversations when you're high or drunk or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, the last thing I wanted usually, to say, or uh, the yeah. last thing I wanted to say is, in acknowledgement that you're having a physical challenge that often you can't really control, like, cause you can do all these things. You can journal, you can figure it all out. You can try to set up the tools. But when you're having that moment where you're like, fuck, I just want to cry or fuck, I just want to punch someone. It's just like, it's a shitty feeling. And it brings you to that place of like, fuck, I'm out of control and yeah. there's nothing I can do. And so one thing might just be to pick an activity that you build into or you could just do it in an isolated instance, but give yourself a little one up um, by choosing like a random self-care activity that just feels good, like getting a massage and consider that treating yourself 
to kind of neutralize this ambient negative thing that just sucks and is the reality of living in your body. Yeah. I like that idea, except for the word random. I have recently tried to pair self-care activities to the specific mm. thing that I think sure. I'm missing. And that I think has been going better for me of like, I've sure. been feeling like I can't talk or like I have been quiet for too long about something. I'm going to try singing and playing mm. the piano. And mm. that seems like better than I'm just going to play video games and that'll feel good. That's a random sure. self-care sure. thing. Um, so. In this case, I would recommend it something physical. Yeah. If you That'd feel like you want to punch somebody, try lifting weights, try going for a run, try swimming, try something that like, uh, a P90X workout or a high intensity interval training workout, yeah. something like that. That's like, who gets your blood flowing and your heart rate up and, uh, you're breathing high, your skin sweaty. And you might find like, Oh, actually that was a good way for me to deal with that. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the gym is a helpful resource. And especially if you can do it with other people and respond to their commands, like a, a class is great. Um, I think we nailed that question. Yeah. Just take care of yourself, nurture yourself, be gentle. Because there's a storm coming. And you better prepare yourself for the storm by getting an umbrella. What's the next question? Getting a poncho. <laughs> Boots. Putting the top up on your convertible. Uh. Closing that sunroof. Next question is from BlindGuardian00. How can I talk to girls without getting nervous? Mm. I really have issues with talking to girls. Every time I try, I get visibly nervous and can hardly talk. Mm. How can I get over my nervousness? Okay. There are two general approaches that therapists take to helping a person with, let's call it a phobia. There is um, flooding, which is exposure therapy done to an extreme where you'd surround yourself with thousands of girls and you have to talk to all of them <laughs> to get out of it. And just by being in that overwhelming situation, you'd probably start to get comfortable with it. Um, you could take a job that requires this of you. You could enter into a sorority undercover where you pose as a girl <laughs> and I could really see a fun rom-com buddy comedy college uh, romp movie mm -hmm. being developed out of your story. Maybe you could sell the options for that. Just an idea. <laughs> Once you finish writing about Obama and Trump being cellmates and yeah. Abraham Lincoln and Martin Luther King teaming up to fight racism, um, you could write that movie. The other the one is exposure. <laughs> other one is taking it little by little and, um, Maybe you start by talking to a hermaphrodite. <laughs> <laughs> Say that you're comfortable talking to men. I'm assuming that you are male and you are attracted to women. These are right. two assumptions that I think are fairly safe in this yes, setting. I would say so. So how could, uh, here's what you do. Start by thinking of the situation that you would most be afraid of. You can write it down. That's actually a great thing to express your fears and see them in front of you. Yeah. Worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. Worst case scenario. I'm just going to make this up for you. Um, you're talking to who, who's the really hot girl for the kids. Zendaya. Okay. <laughs> you're talking to Ariana Grande. All right. I know her a little better than Zendaya. Okay. You're talking to Ariana and um, is it Ariana? I don't know her that well, clearly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're talking to Ari yeah, yeah, slash Ari. Yeah. yeah. And, I would um, say Ari. She's batting her her eyelashes at you and swinging her ponytail around and, you know, really think about it. What, what could happen? You could say something that really offends her. You could, um, 
like explore this fear. You know, what would she judge you? Mm-hmm. Would she be upset at you? Would you hurt her somehow? What is the thing that you're most afraid of? And then write out what would happen. Okay, if I did that, then if she was mad at me, what would happen next? What would I do? How would mm-hmm. I deal with that? Maybe I'd go talk to somebody about it. Maybe I have a friend that I could say, oh, I fucking did it. I had a chance to talk to Ariana Grande and I made her I did mad. the worst possible thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what would your friend say? And then what would you do? And follow that till you'd feel okay again. Because anything that you're afraid of, probably you either die or you feel okay again. <laughs> I think in this situation, you likely won't die. It's possible that you upset her and then you mm-hmm. go kill yourself. But I think you're stronger than that. I don't think you're going to do that. It'll just be terribly embarrassing. And you can probably eventually get to a point where you can laugh at that. Yeah. Okay. That's not actually what I meant to say. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I said it. Okay. So imagine the most difficult scenario, talking to Ariana. Um, and then think about what makes that difficult and then turn all of those degrees way down. So maybe it's that she's young and pretty and famous and you're attracted to her. Well, maybe try talking to someone that you're not attracted to. Maybe Hmm. just try talking to a man who you're not attracted to. Mm -hmm. Maybe try talking to a woman that you're not attracted to. Someone that you kind of know. If it's the fact that she's a stranger, you know, talk to someone who's more of an acquaintance and just tiptoe. Are we trying to isolate what makes them uncomfortable? Um, I think they can do that on their own. Yeah. I don't know for this person. I was just wondering what is this path that you're I'll just speak for myself. I've been very afraid to talk to attractive women who are young and strangers to me, especially if they're surrounded by their friends and I'm worried that I will be judged and rejected, exiled yeah. from the clan, um, <laughs> the KKK. Just to be clear, uh-huh. yeah. um, I usually try to pick up women in the KKK. It's yeah. just, it's just I know that we at least it's have that one thing that in way. common. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not going to taint my bloodline. <laughs> Sorry, um, that's sarcasm for whoever's planning on because we think the clan is ridiculous. <sighs> the clan's so dumb. It's just get a new outfit, you know, guys. Like, jeez, <laughs> it's 2019. Like get with the times your, your fashion is way behind the times well their fashion is way behind the times but yeah that's what i'm saying no um, whatever about that but like come on guys the white robe really that yeah, is yeah. so like 1862 <laughs> anyway um <laughs> it's like come on get with the times i guess it's kind of retro and so there's something appealing it's coming about back that again somehow yeah but like yeah Ugh, it's just it's so played out it's like yeah beating a dead horse i, I want to hear more about oh, right, right, you right. <laughs> being nervous because i think that will help yes yeah. yes i'd love to share my experience talking that. player level it's, not town sure uh, it's hard to talk to girls yeah. um, i've gotten a lot better at it yeah it's possible to do that i spent most of my life being really afraid of situations where like oh i really want to talk to that girl and i play out various scenarios in my head a hundred different ways. I could say this, I could do this thing. I could get into this game that she likes. I Mm -hmm. could like start watching this movie that she likes and talk to her about that. You know, all these schemes. And I have love for that version of myself because it's a person that really wants someone else to see him and know him and love him. Um, And that's a pretty universal thing. This doesn't make you weird to care about this. This is so what you can do is Start to invest in yourself and build a social support network of people who care about you too because they care about the same things and you can be vulnerable with them and make it be safe for them to be vulnerable with you. These are friends. And if you have friends that you trust and uh, you depend on, it becomes less threatening to add one more person to your social circle because, hey, more of your basic needs are already met. This person may be 
well, maybe the stakes are lowered because if you had zero friends, talking to a girl would mean that would be your only friend mm -hmm. and she'd also be the only person that you kissed maybe. And maybe it'd be the only person that you could talk to about your fears about the future or your difficulties with your parents. And if you already are doing some of those things with other people, then maybe you're like, okay, well, if this person doesn't accept me, the yeah. the loss relatively is lower. Like maybe yeah. I'm not kissing. Okay. But I'm still talking to somebody about my fears about the future and my difficulties with my parents and I'm still laughing with somebody. And I'm still so investing in yourself and investing in friendships lowers the stakes and you get yeah. less nervous once yeah. you've invested more in yourself. Because yes, great. I think that the the self acceptance thing is really important because this like you said, the stakes are so high when you're talking to a girl and it's like if she doesn't like me or respond in this, you know, narrow spectrum of actions that are acceptable to me or will validate that, mm -hmm. that she likes me, then I'm worthless or, you know, no one will ever like me. No girl will ever like me. I'll always be this, uh, not smooth or whatever it is. It's yeah. be mindful of the conclusion that the mm. end of that loop reaches. Yeah, don't identify as somebody who's yeah. just always going to be nervous as I'm just a nervous person or I'm just bad with women. Maybe you're experiencing a moment that is challenging with a woman right now. Mm. But you're a person who's capable of growing and changing. And I know because I was like that a lot. And now I'm sitting across from a beautiful woman who I laugh with a lot and we make a podcast together and I don't get nervous around her anymore. When I was nervous with Morgan, when I met her a lot, you know, <laughs> I thought a lot about what I was going to say and how I was going to come off to her. And, um, it doesn't have to always be that way. It yeah, hasn't always been that way. Let me say there were a lot of things that he said wrong that really <laughs> like pissed me off or I thought were dumb or like weird or whatever the fuck, but I'm still here. So you can have an interaction yep. with a woman that you both feel like is negative, not representative of who you are, um, or just goes down like shit. Yeah. And that person isn't necessarily going to run out of your life forever. Yep. You can have more opportunities and you can, you aren't just your first impression. You are the full collection of things, moments, aspirations, thoughts, wishes, mm -hmm. whatever the fuck that you are. And that evolves over time, thankfully. And so you, depending on the kind of people you surround yourself with, hopefully you surround yourself with people who are patient and forgiving and see the best in you. And then hopefully once you start seeing the best in yourself more frequently um, and are less in that place of self-doubt and everything's riding on whatever this person thinks of me, the more you'll be able to easily enter those conversations, bounce back, have more, learn and grow, um, and take it all in stride. Yes. Beautifully said. Thank you. The other uh, thing, another thing I want to address about yeah. this question is that he asked about being visibly nervous. And so there are a couple of different little physical techniques Ooh, that yeah. you can do to appear less physically nervous or to just sort of refocus your body's attention. Uh, yeah. So one of them is paying attention to your breathing and trying to keep it kind of even. Um, another is I was taught that you can squeeze your butt cheeks together, which initially I thought meant putting your hands on your butt cheeks and like squeezing them, but mean that. that's Please visible. Don't do that. yeah. Um, but yeah, if you that just clench your butt cheeks without changing anything about your hands, mm. but you know, tighten your butt, it, it just kind of harnesses your physical energy in a way where it's not like, Ooh, are my palms sweaty? Is this going on? And that's something that you can focus on 
after maybe you've asked this woman an open-ended question where she's going off on a tangent, that's always good. Get them talking. <laughs> Don't worry about you creating content. Get them going on something. Half listen, half breathe with yourself to just try to relax mm-hmm. your physical body. Exhale for slightly longer than you inhale and try to keep your breath even. And just be present with her. And maybe she's nervous about talking to you too. Yeah. You know, I would, mm-hmm. in this situation, I wouldn't recommend imagining her in your underwear. That could create a result that you don't want. A boner result. Uh-huh. A boner result. Super bonerous. Um, but yeah, you can sort of refocus your physical energy um, to deregulate, calm down. Um, yeah. rather than upregulate and a- get yourself super agitated, make your breath faster and sweat and, you know, your heart yeah. racing, you can kind of <sighs> and remind yourself, just, this is just one conversation. Mm. It's not the end of the world. I'm still awesome. Whatever, you, whatever, you know, most calms that ambient yeah. anxiety. I, uh, personally would not like the squeezing my butt cheeks route as I associate that with anal retentiveness and being more uptight <laughs> and doing that I think would put me in that mind state. Mm-hmm. I would rather do something that spreads my butt cheeks or stretches my fingers out or something sure. that's more expansive sure. to, for calmness in this situation. Sure. Um, and what's really helped me if I know that I'm going to a party where there's a cute girl or something like that is I work out hard before the event and then mm. I take a cold shower that's intense. And then when my body returns back to normal, I come with a much greater sense of calm and self-possession than I had before when I had all that nervous energy. Mm-hmm. It gives me something to spend it on. And then I found, oh, I'm actually much more relaxed and I like myself more after I've yeah. done this kind of hard workout. And so I do that before performances. Anytime where I'm going to be judged or I fear being judged by other people, mm-hmm. I do a hard workout and I take a cold shower. And man, it's so much easier for me now. That's such that's such great advice. Thank you. Fuck yeah. Um, moving on, lightning <laughs> round. The hero Matthew says, I can't cry, but I really want to. Mm. So for the past couple months, I haven't been able to cry, even during sad situations. As my guinea pig, sorry, even during sad <laughs> situations, as my guinea passing away oh. and my girlfriend breaking up with me. Uh-huh. I have no idea what caused this, and I really want to cry again. Hmm. Oh. I assume guinea is guinea pig. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so this is interesting because it's kind of the opposite. It's of of some of the things that we've talked about before, of an excess of emotion, like being too nervous or feeling like you want to punch someone versus looking inward and going, well, I should be having this physical response. I think it's – oh, it's – to me, it's the same. It's just a person struggling to express themselves or searching for expression that mm-hmm. allows mm-hmm. them to properly mm-hmm. feel something or mm-hmm. get it out of themselves. To mm-hmm. express is to, to press out, mm-hmm. you know. Um, impress is to press in. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> just, I always uh, rolled my eyes at people saying, oh, you just need to express yourself. You just need to express your feelings. Like, what the fuck is that going to do? Uh, you mm-hmm. want me to write a poem about how sad I am that my guinea pig died and all of a sudden I'm going to feel better? No, it's not. I, you know, I took that critical view of it. Now I've learned, okay, actually, yeah, writing the poem does make me feel better. Like there is yeah. a need to express and then to be seen or heard, to have your emotion, especially with grief, I think, mm-hmm. communicated to another person. This is mm-hmm. the, the value of sadness, which if you've seen Inside Out, this movie is about the value of sadness. It is to ask for help and draw other people closer to you 
So when a person cries, many people freeze up, but their natural inclination is to hug that person and comfort them. And so crying is a call for another person to soothe us and to bring them closer. And it's for people that trust us and already care about us. It's a way of showing them pain and sharing pain like that. What did you say about pain being divided? Oh, yeah. Um, Pain shared is pain divided and joy shared is joy multiplied. Yeah. Yeah. So crying can be an important part of that process of getting someone else to share your pain and divide it. And people who care about you, which there are people like that, even if it doesn't feel like it, Morgan and I care right now. Um, And though we may not be able to hug you physically, I hope that this sounds like something akin to a sonic hug. I just, we're listening (laughs) to, it sounds like it really hurts to lose your guinea pig and lose your girlfriend. And it also hurts to want to cry. And and it sounds frustrating to not be able to do that. Yeah. It sounds, I'm guessing that you may be male. Um, Boys in Western culture, boys probably everywhere, are often fed the message that it's not okay for them to cry, that it's an unmanly thing or it's a boyish thing or it's a childish thing. It's a girly thing. It's not something you're supposed to be able to do. Mm -hmm. That's a terribly damaging message. And you may have internalized it. I certainly did. There are times that I want to cry and I just feel devoid of emotion. This is a So do you think that's a byproduct to Mm. a byproduct of being of social conditioning? It is that, that, that boys cry less. Yes. It may be in general out of touchness with feelings that mm-hmm. comes with masculinity mm-hmm. or comes with things that look like autism. Um, <laughs> what? You're really just, on this autism kick. Well, I'll stop about it. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, fuck, I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Uh, the social conditioning that men undergo about true, masculinity. True. There crying. it is. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, Yeah, it's something that's pretty hard to avoid as a guy who's sensitive to the messaging from even if your parents were okay with it, or even if your closest guy friends were okay with it. At some point, you've probably been exposed to this message by someone that you looked up to or or respected that guys are supposed to be tough, even Mm -hmm. just like a movie hero. When was the last time you saw an action movie where the male star, the hero, cries? He probably gets mad and hurts somebody. He shoots yeah. them. He punches them. But he probably doesn't cry. And this is um, maybe maybe there are a couple mm-hmm. examples that change, defy this. But it, he would only cry like at the worst possible moment when his entire family has been raped and killed and sold for glue, you know. And then he <laughs> sheds one tear and then makes a fist and he yeah, starts yeah, yeah. to get his big bazooka out. Yeah, and he yeah. holds it where his penis is and he starts smacking people in the face yeah. with it and their heads explode, you know. That's yeah. every movie that I've ever seen with Bruce Willis. Yeah. Is that. Yeah. Um, I want to say something else. Sorry. I don't know if you, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to charge in because we're a little like a no, little off topic because we're not you solving. Are, are, are you sure? We're explaining like why we, why it might be so difficult for this person to access their emotions. You're right. I'm just trying to um, give them forgiveness yeah. or give them a reason right. to recognize like you're not damaged. The world that you live totally. in is damaged. You're okay, and you're just a person who notices things, and you've been fed these messages. Perhaps. Maybe you actually have a tear duct problem. I'm not a doctor. More likely, you're just aware of your conditioning or you're becoming aware of it now. Um, The other thing I want to say, too, is uh, you you said uh, men have this uh, idea that they need to or are told that they need to be strong or tough. And I I think everyone should have that messaging of, of 
it's important to bring out your inner strength or, you know, be tough in different circumstances. But where the problem for me comes in is that we're told that if you show vulnerability, uh, that that is an indication that you're not tough or that you're not strong. And actually, actually, it's the opposite (laughs) because how fucking strong is it for you to stand in knowing your emotion, feeling Mm -hmm. it, letting it come out, and not being so afraid of it that you bottle it up. Because here's the thing, it's fucking there, whether you're able to acknowledge it or express it or not, just like this question asker is saying. Like, I'm having these emotions, I want it to come out, yeah. but it's not, the, the mechanism isn't working right now. Um, and it, there's a sadness to that too, yeah. um, the, that it's just like stuck in there. Um, and I don't know exactly what is the obstacle for you. It, like, right, like Rob said, is it physiological? Probably not. You know, is it, it's some combination perhaps of the like social and cultural influences and then what you've practiced. Mm-hmm. Like when I want to know the questions I would want to ask you next uh, for you to kind of investigate for yourself is when was the last time you cried? What was going on then? What did it look like? What did it feel like to cry? Uh, was it something that afterwards you felt super ashamed? I mean, I have no idea, but just kind of being curious about what are your experiences around crying? What have they been in the past? Yeah. When when have you seen other people cry, male or mm-hmm. female? What was going on for them? And just kind of uh, adding some color to your understanding of your relationship with sadness. Yes. I recommend blue. What's that? It's a color that I associate with sadness. Oh. <laughs> you often recommend books, so I really was ready for this that to be a deeper recommendation. Have you read yeah, uh, Blue. Blue by Roy G. Biff? <laughs> <laughs> I have it on audiobook if you want. It's, yeah. It's perfect for winter. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. so, so one one way you could uh, try to see if this emotion is available to you is to... Uh, Get yourself by yourself. Listen to some music that's evocative for you. Onions. Cre- onions. Cut sure. onions. No, seriously. Like cutting onions could open the floodgate yeah. and then you might allow yourself to feel sadness when you're actually. crying from the physical reaction yeah. to the onions. It's sort of like when you kind of make a smile face with yep. your mouth and yep. then you have that little sense of mm-hmm. happiness that's triggered automatically. Of, so the factor two factor theory of emotion, half of a feeling is in its expression. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just making the expression can get you to feel the feeling a lot of the time. And then you'll figure it out later. Oh, yeah. like punching that punching bag allowed me to process my anger, even though I wasn't feeling angry before. Punching it made me angry. Right. It brought out something that was there. Yeah. It didn't. It didn't. It ran on it. Well, it, you know. like, yeah, you were angry. Right. You weren't in touch with it, and then punching it allowed you to get in touch with it. Or right. cutting the onions allowed you it to get in touch. It opens that it. channel between yes. uh, the emotion you're already having in your body and what's available for you to express. Yes, I don't know the age or legality of this question asker psychedelic drugs are also a Mm. way to explore this type of um, getting in touch Mm -hmm. with your emotions if it is legal or safe to do so um, at your age, which I would recommend you having your brain fully developed, which happens like 25 um, and it being a place that is safe to do that. So if those things are not true, don't look into that yet, or you can look into it for the future. But yeah, but having a safe container for that emotion to come out, like you're not going to be able to cry if you're like in a group or whatever, whatever. Maybe, Um, maybe, maybe depends on the group. Depends. Um, But also be gentle with yourself that you're having difficulty. Don't 
don't add to your uh, tough narrative there of like, and I can't even cry. Like, fuck me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Forgive yourself for not being able to do this. That's what yeah. I was trying to help you do by pointing out the ways that the yeah. world has told you you're not supposed to cry. Right. It's okay to not cry and it's yeah. okay to cry. Yeah. There's a reason for it either way. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. Um, I think that concludes the it. lightning round. What, what's our timing it. at? Thank you guys. We are at 44. Okay, great. Um, today's big question. Big question. Comes from Tanzicorn. The person who asked the first question mm-hmm. about the hormones. Mm-hmm. Tanzicorn's getting a lot out of we us. Got more answers for you. Yeah. Check it out, Tanzicorn. Tanzicorn says, polyamorless. Wow, that could be an episode title. I don't know. It depends on how well we do on this question. She didn't say all that. She just said polyamorous. When I was 16, I tried having a boyfriend for six months. I remember being interested in multiple other guys and girls the entire time. Ultimately, I ultimately ended it because I knew I'd cheat otherwise. Hmm. Now in my late 20s, now I'm in my late 20s. Haven't been in a serious monogamous relationship since. Wow. I am dating someone, male, prefers monogamy, uh, call him A, and missing someone else who just moved, non-binary, prefers non-monogamy, call them B. I'm sad B moved away. If they moved back, I'd want to keep seeing them. But all in all, I feel pretty fulfilled right now. I love A. Indulging my interest in others is getting exhausting. Mm. Worst of all, I struggled to make space in my life for both partners before B moved. I wanted to have the same level of interest and spend equal time with both. I'm afraid I'll start to resent A if we try being exclusive. Like my first boyfriend all those years ago. Despite Mm -hmm. that, I kind of want to try. I'll never be Mm -hmm. straight, but what about monogamous? Mm. Lately, I'm not so sure polyamory is worth the stress. (laughs) Boy, can I ever fucking relate to this. I thought you might like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I was uh, dating polyamorously, um, you know, a variety of people, whoever came my way. And, and I'm the kind of person who doesn't just kind of like superficially connect with people. I care about people deeply and, and want to want each relationship to flow out the way that it's meant to or to the best ability that it can. Um, but yeah, it's fucking exhausting. The The relationship and love and emotional like sector of the pie of your life becomes so huge um, because it takes so much bandwidth to manage all these different relationships once you add in something that's beyond just like a friend and you see each other every so often um, because – you have to look at your full self and their full self and how did those things come together and what are we going to do to maintain that? And there's just so much dimensionality to a romantic relationship. And it, for both people, triggers such potentially kind of fundamental wounds um, and can what evoke does? being in relationship. It just because any intimacy, really, um, any intimacy reminds you of sort of the most fundamental or earliest intimate relationship Ways you had, you which is with your, your primary parents. caregiver. Yeah. yeah. And so therefore there can be so many things that are triggered by that and there's so much to work through and having it, those things going on with multiple different people at once. I just have all the sympathy in the world for this 
issue. And I do, so I want to validate that polyamory is stressful, just like any relationship yeah. individually is stressful. However, the other side of the coin is, are you giving up a philosophy that you believe in? Um, because right now this person is in that orientation yeah. and it's easier because that's what's available to you right now. I have no fucking clue. I'm answering the same questions for myself. Yeah. I think uh, Tanzicorn probably likes just hearing that other people are yeah. dealing with the same issues. I'm sure that that was appreciated or I'd guess that it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to challenge the idea that it, that it has to be a binary. Mm-hmm like all these other things. Um, Mm -hmm. You can try being monogamous for a day or a week or a month or a year with this person and stop when it stops serving you and your partner. Um, And I think more importantly, you focusing on your own needs um, is the important thing. And the metric that I use for a relationship arrangement is, is this helping me love myself? Hmm. If it is, then it's good. And if it's not, then it's bad. And sometimes helping yourself, loving yourself is sacrificing for another person because you get some form of self-worth off of like how you help them. And I'm not saying that you should always act selfishly in relationships, Mm -hmm. but ultimately when you zoom out, is this decision to be with this person at the expense of whatever energy and attention and time I would be spending with other people or with myself or with no one, is this helping me love myself and grow? And that's a tough question to answer. If that's your goal. I, I think, think it's a good goal that it's everyone a good should have. But I you mean, can have other goals, but like yeah. you're, if, you're, if your real goal is to help other people and that's your goal in life, guess who you should help first? Guess who should be most important? Yourself. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not saying eat, I'm not saying the path doesn't start with yourself. Yeah. But I'm saying the metric of is this helping me learn and grow? That is important to us in that's, relationship. That's what it looks like. That's what self love to me is, and I right. think and that's I think pretty universal. I don't. I don't mm, think. I that, think happiness is num- is what is learning and growing. I think it's like mm. is is it ever um, forgetting and shrinking? Is that ever love <laughs> for a person? <laughs> I just know? think that. Or like becoming ignorant, misinformed, and and reducing. But I do think that there is a point where, in order to be happy, you have to let go of some of that stuff and just settle that's into a, the moment that's and not be learning. always striving. That's a type of growing, I think. <laughs> sure. I mean, you can frame sure. it all through this. It's like a, for a plant, love is sunlight, water, and nitrogen-rich soil, right? Or some type of mm-hmm. – if it's a carnivorous plant, you get it from the bugs mm-hmm. that it eats. And what happens to a plant when it gets that kind of love – it grows, it gets bigger. And that's pretty universal, right? Sure. But because it we're blooms, humans with we have more, more subjective experience. Yes. But I think that there is still a universal of growth is love. As, as we approach our truth mm-hmm. and our, um, for our ability to love other people, that is a pretty, I want to just say a, a universal for the species. There might be people who are one-off exceptions, one in a million, or some lower number, but yeah. like it's it's pretty damn everybody sure. loves, everybody grows, and that's the way to do it. Like the, that's the that's reason right. I'm right. The the reason I'm trying to make this distinction yeah. is because if you're deciding between having multiple partners and just having one partner, yes. 
um, if that's available to you. Um, maybe speaking in a way colored by my experience, of course, of course, speaking in a way that's colored by my experience. Sure. Um, I think I was over prioritizing being polyamorous because it's something I can do mm. and it's something I can stretch into sure. and it's, I can try to foster multiple relationships with people and, and I'm really expanding as a part of that. Yeah. Um, however, that under that, that undersells the cost of doing that. And yeah. some, and I'm learning right now in relationship and I'll share the details of it just because I think it will be relevant to the situation, Please which is do. I was doing, I was doing the polyamory thing and I am now um, in a relationship with someone who is monogamous um, and, and really wants their partner to uh, help them to feel like they are enough. And, uh, you know, we have, we don't see eye to eye on, you know, polyamory and that being like mutually exclusive. However, it also, when, when, when I, I'm super happy in this relationship and I'm like overall globally in life, kind of the happiest I've been. I'm also now pursuing, um, the career that's sort of the deep on the deepest level true to who I am, um, but aside from that, it's like, I think that sometimes you can just say, this is enough for me. And yeah. I don't have to go that extra mile just because I can, or I don't have to stretch in this super uncomfortable way just because I can. Um, sometimes there is a lesson even yeah. um, in just letting yourself be happy and be comfortable. You said I was doing the polyamory thing or the polyamorous thing, right? <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> I'd like to just, uh, I was trying to say it in a concise way cause I knew I was going to like cover a lot of ground. Yes. No, I appreciate that. Sure. I, I want to suggest that you're still doing the polyamorous thing. Sure. Um, sure. I think people think of polyamory as you have to be fucking a different person in between uh, breakfast and dinner and then go to sleep with someone else. And <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, what it yeah. looks like. Yeah. doesn't always look like that. I think that the most fundamental, this word polyamorous just means a belief in your capability to love more than one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Poly, many, amor, love. Mm -hmm. um, and it sounds like right now you have some form of love for this man mm -hmm. and you have some love for music and in a, a future version of yourself that is a performing, um, thriving artist. Is that true? Mm -hmm. Those are two loves. Sure. There's probably course. others. You probably love your bunny. You probably love me. And these are all right. different and you express them differently. I'm trying to offer this to Tansy Korn as it doesn't need to buy, be a binary of, I either love just this one person or I'm allowed to love everything and everyone. And I, and here's the thing that I think is setting you back with loving a and B and trying to spend equal attention and interest in them, man, that's and who's a losing. that for. Is it for you or is yeah, it for them? It's probably, you feel like you, it's probably something you're doing for them that they aren't directly asking you for, or even if they are asking for, it may end up being impossible in the long run. And it may be to it, or in the short run. Some guilt. Yes. We are all conditioned with the same fairy tale rom-com stories about loving one person. And that means being there for them. And if there's anyone else that comes in, you ha you feel like, Oh, I don't want to pick a favorite. I don't want to put anyone down, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but moment to moment, 
you can't um, give your undivided attention to more than one person. And mm-hmm. then that can naturally create like in this, maybe you have one boyfriend that you really like having sex with and one uh, person, one partner who um, you really like laughing with or you really like uh, going out dancing with or mm-hmm. meeting new people with. Mm-hmm. And depending on where your interests align in that moment, maybe you're in a really sexual mode or maybe you're in a really um, laughing mode or, you know, or maybe mm-hmm. you're in a really tender mode and you need someone to comfort you and mm-hmm. you have a third person who does that. Your attention is going to naturally drive you towards the relationship that best meets your needs at that moment. And your needs will shift over the course of time. So trying to keep everyone of like, you get one night a week, you get one night a week, I get one night a week to myself. And that's always going to be the schedule. Man, you're going to end up resenting that structure. Mm -hmm. So these things Mm -hmm. kind of have to be fluid for them to work over a long period of time. If you were to grow, these things have to be in flux. And anytime that someone demands a system of like, I must be your number one, or we must be equal, or you even put that on yourself, then it will be tested and you will start to resent that rule or whoever makes that rule. And that might be yourself. Um, Totally unrelated, but um, one of the things that I've um, learned just, you know, in this last, whatever month and a half where I've been diverting my attention only to one person in in the romantic domain, um, is that I had been feeling in general in my life, feeling so scattered. And, you know, I, I do still, I am still equally pursuing multiple careers. And so there is a polyness to that too. But even in just one area of my life, choosing to focus on one thing gives me a bit more focus and a bit more clarity in an otherwise utterly chaotic brain that I have. Um, and that has been a really positive thing for me right now. Um, and the other, the, the growth opportunity I'll say, um, versus like the comfort zone of just it being in a monogamous relationship is that you get to divert the time when you would be using to, um, maintain another relationship going very deep with this Mm -hmm. one person and developing the skill of deep intimacy, which is not to say that you can't do it in a polyamorous configuration. Of course you can, but purely by the fact that there are 24 hours in a day means that the effort that you're putting into balancing out, spending equal time with this partner and that partner and, you know, uh, simultaneously developing intimacy with two people, um, you know, by necessity is, depriving one relationship of the utmost depth that it could be at. I mean, of course you can filter that attention into doing other things. Mm. You know, I'm not saying it's yeah. necessarily one-to-one, but if you think, look, look at it purely like economically, and I don't think you have a limited amount of time. I don't think that that's, uh, the most common uh, experience that I've had in situations mm-hmm. like this. Mm-hmm. I find that it actually allows me to, to, if say I have, 10 hours of attention to spend on partners. If I do 10 on one person versus five and five, it shouldn't be assumed that the five hours that I give them are worse than the 10 that I would. Often it's actually, I fit more into that five because my other needs are being met and I'm not spending Mm -hmm. so much time resenting them for not being my golf partner uh, when we're Mm -hmm. bowling and Mm -hmm. because I'm golfing with somebody else, then it's like, Oh yeah, I can really enjoy bowling with you. And we actually go deeper into bowling in those five hours. So just, um, time, time and love are different and time may limit your expression of love, but it doesn't have to limit your experience of love or your, um, yeah, just how much love you have for a person. So I, um, I don't feel like I'm revealing too much to say that I love Tansy Corn. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) I do. And that doesn't seem like something that would surprise her. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't see tans of corn, but every other year or so. And that's okay. It doesn't diminish, you know, I don't express Mm -hmm. that that often or Mm -hmm. consciously experience it that often, but it doesn't diminish it. And um, it also doesn't depend on whether Tanzacorn loves me back or is in this poly uh, arrangement or monogamous arrangement. It's like, it's uh, just a thing that's there. Um, And so I just wanted to say that you don't have to give people something in order to love them. You don't need to require something back. I think that probably the way you were navigating these poly relationships put a lot of expectations on yourself that were hard to live up to. And you're going to love multiple people, whether you try to tell yourself, your, whether you sexually express it or not, you have love for more than one person. And if you ever try to just love one person and love nothing else, you're going to resent that person pretty quickly because uh, human beings are made to operate in tribes and to be interdependent on a tribe of people, not to be interdependent with a single other person, because whoever that person is, no matter how good they are for you, they will be missing some things that you enjoy about other people and that you enjoy about Mm -hmm. being alone. So being so closely intertwined is the fundamental error of romantic relationships in our era. Yep. Um, (laughs) The other thing I want to say is, uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't, I certainly wasn't trying to insinuate that, um, Tanzacorn or anyone else who, uh, engages in polyamorous, amorous relationships doesn't have opportunities for growth in the area of intimacy. I was simply trying to say that each mod, each mode or each model has different pros and cons and different areas for growth and different, um, you know, shortcomings and different advantages. Um, and, don't make, Intrinsically, there one is not better than the other. One may function better for you at a different time than another. Exclusivity um, does not guarantee depth. It may act in mm-hmm. service of it, or sexual exclusivity mm-hmm. at least does not guarantee depth. Certainly not. Often it can hurt it because there may be a, especially if you're someone who's attracted to men and women, mm-hmm. perhaps mm-hmm. you're attracted to something that you're part of, either physically or emotionally, energetically, you might be attracted to the feminine or a masculine mm-hmm. pole that mm-hmm. your partner may not have um, mm-hmm. or may not have at the moments that you want it or expressed in the ways that you want that. And maybe there is some value to you being able to be flexible enough with some boundaries. And here's the thing about boundaries is they don't have to be permanent in all situations and um, you know, no matter what. You can determine like this is a rigid boundary. This is a loose boundary. Mm -hmm. This is one that I'm flexible upon in these times and not flexible upon in these times. It's not just like here's a rule, here's a real rule, here's a rule, and they're all etched in stone Mm -hmm. forever. And you can either take them all or leave them all. Boundaries are something that you can express to a partner to, to aid your feeling of security and love and differentiate. Um, and know how you are different from them and give you enough contact and enough space. Those are the two main components of, of feeling loved and loving is contact, seeing the person enough and interacting with them and being seen by them and also giving them enough room to be themselves and be different from you and be outside of your, Mm -hmm. um, your watch or your, your attention. Uh, And, I just yeah. highly recommend that you consider those things as you ask for whatever boundaries you think would serve you with your partner and be willing to reconsider those things. These boundaries don't have to be forever. Um, I want to say, um, I want to share something else about my experience 
um, hopefully to also model that it's okay. But in this new relationship that I'm in, having having before established, okay, not only am I capable of polyamory, but I believe that potentially I would really struggle or that it would be impossible for me to maintain a monogamous relationship long term. I'm also scared shitless that, um, you know, that, that my ability to be monogamous with this person, no matter how much I love them or no matter how many areas of compatibility there are, that one person won't ever be enough for me. And, you know, I am so scared of leading them down this path that maybe has an endpoint because of something that's fundamental to me and out of their control. So I want to validate too that, that that's okay. Like you can embark on the journey going this way, like Rob said, and, and it doesn't have to be set in stone. Um, what I find helps me is to be honest about that to the best of my ability along the way and to say, look, like, this is the data I have on historically how relationships have gone and, and, and where and how my sexual attention shifts and that it doesn't have anything to do with you being adequate or inadequate or enough or not. It's a purely a matter of, you know, I, I'm not sure that one person can satisfy all these domains for, mm. for myself or anyone long-term. Yeah. Um, or that it would take a lot, a lot of work. Um, the other thing that I want to say that is probably true for me, and you can decide if it's true for you um, or not, but before I was uh, poly, or before I thought that that, that lifestyle was, um, I don't know, valid for me, yeah. I thought, okay, that's just a way of having a plan B person um, yeah. and not having to invest all of your eggs in one basket. And now having been, um, you know, having identified as poly for a while, whatever, whether you see it as stopping or not, whatever, um, I, I, I don't think I that's think that the case. you still love me and you don't express it sexually. Sure, sure. Yeah, maybe yeah, semantics, yeah. Yeah. but... But I mean, I mean, I'm defining polyamory in this context as, you know something other than what's permiss permissible within a traditional monogamous a relationship. A lot of people wouldn't be okay with their partner having a weekly podcast like this with someone that they've ever been attracted to. Sure. That's normal. Um, that probably. In our society, yeah. there's a lot of people like That's that. That's fair. Um, and I do think a lot of people's discomfort with uh, physical intimacy outside of a relationship, it, it boils down to kind of the same thing. Um, and it's an emotion that can be dealt with and overcome. Um. Oh yeah, but so now also being now being back back to side one, having had this experience, I I do still think that there is a part of me that was polyamorous a little bit out of fear of deep intimacy with one person, a little bit of a fear that that person would know me so deeply that they would find my fundamental flaw and reject it. And then I would be with no one because I do have a fundamental fear of abandonment. Um, what's your fundamental flaw? Oh, I don't even know. I mean, you know what I mean? Like just it's some abstract yeah. thing. I mean, maybe it's that I'm too emotional, too depressed, uncurable, all those things. Um, but having a way of kind of hedging your bets and, and uh, I, I'm, sorry, I, I'm just, yeah. I now having now being 
dealing with the different challenges that come with a monogamous relationship and the different ways that I'm stretching and growing as a part of that, I'm asking myself those questions of does polyamory allow me to in some way, and this doesn't have to be the case for everyone, but in some way, does it allow me to protect myself against putting everything on one person and then losing them? It is, I think for many people who choose it, a defense mechanism. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. No. Necessarily. It could be. It could be a way of avoiding ever getting close with somebody when a person would actually be happiest if they were close with somebody. Or it could be, you know, all defense mechanisms like humor is one. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. don't we appreciate Jim Carrey? You know, like it, it's not. <laughs> I, I'm totally. just I'm coming totally. around to this idea of some defense mechanisms are good. Uh, oh, a lot of defense yeah. mechanisms are. Well, I think. Depends on if the defense, thing he's defended against. If yeah, it's actually a. It depends on kind of your developmental level, too. Like if mm-hmm. you um, can't survive without the X amount of protection or e- protection in yeah. X ways then you need that defense mechanism. And then once you get to that next level, then you maybe have a more advanced defense mechanism. Anyway. Here's a, um, I'm going to just offer a couple of sayings and proverbs and things. (laughs) Um, (laughs) A measure of a man's life is not in how much he was loved, but in how much he has loved. Mm -hmm. I've always liked that saying. Mm -hmm. Um, Another one that somebody at Burning Man told me this year that really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. was uh, love is not like pie, P-I-E, where if you take one slice away, you had eight, and now you just have seven. Love is like pie, P-I. It's infinite and irrational. Yeah. Um, I think the point of loving somebody and being loved by them is, uh, I'm not the point, I mean, it's it's worth doing for its own sake, but the ultimate like self-actualization or the, the end, the extreme of moving that direction is finding love for all of humanity, all living things ever that ever were and ever will be. Mm-hmm. And that you're approaching that by opening yourself to love and by loving a single other person intensely and by loving yourself or by loving multiple people and forgiving people who you might have grievances against people who have hurt you or people who have frustrated you. And I think that it is a good way to be in a recipe for happiness and peace to continue expanding that love that you have. And you may not spend time on everybody. Time is the P I E pie where Mm -hmm. if you take an hour away, you only have 23 left, Mm -hmm. but love is distinct from time and love is P I infinite and irrational. Yeah. I think the the last thing I want to say before we wrap up is I want to recommend two books. Okay, <laughs> the last thing I want to say. Do you want me to say those I first, or do you want? <laughs> no, no. If you no. want the last word, you can have it. I just need to get these books. Get in. Get the books. All right, John Wellwood's "Perfect Love: Imperfect Relationships." Mm-hmm. Wow, what a book! What a book. Second one, "Stepping Off the Relationship Escalator." I actually don't remember the author's name, but it's called "Stepping Off the Relationship <laughs> Escalator," and this is a book that explains the like eight normal steps that mm. traditional relationships, traditional monogamous long-term relationships take mm-hmm. and the ways that people can deviate from them. So you might want to be sexually exclusive with your partner right now, 
but maybe you don't want your finances to be intertwined. Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't want to cohabitate. Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't want to share a living space. Maybe you don't want to um, treat them as your default yeah. guest Not to weddings. Not defaulting to those. Yeah, like you don't, metrics. each of these things is a separate yeah. choice. And right. so some people think of it as like poly means you're having sex with other people and none of the traditional rules apply. Mm -hmm. But it's totally like you decide what serves you at this moment in this relationship. Yes. Which of the things do you want to um, merge with them or make exclusive with them? And which things do you want to maintain yeah. some freedom with? Yeah. And this book is a great guide to that. Yeah. I, I'm so glad you said that because what I was going to say is, is related to that, which is that I think if you take away one thing from this conversation, um, what I was trying to present, I mean, take away whatever you want, take away the one book suggestion, but um, Two books. there is no wrong way to be. I meant if there was one thing, but there's no wrong way to be like polyamory isn't definitively right. Monogamy isn't definitively right. Um, it's about identifying, okay, like I said before, there's the pros and cons of each and there's going to be things that help you grow in a certain direction and things that help you grow in another direction. And maybe right now, even if you're in a status that you um, are questioning if that's right for you, mm -hmm. Live it fully now. See what it is. Investigate it. Um, be with it. Observe the things that maybe don't work for you. Observe the yeah. things that do work for you. And the vision, I think, of polyamory or, or amory that Rob and I are always pushing is find what works for you and optimize based on that. And don't let someone else prescribe polyamory has to look like this or monogamy has to look like this. But be honest with yourself. Be honest with your partner and uh, have a discussion where you guys, multiple discussions, let the relationship evolve, find the path that actually is best for you guys yes. specifically and let that evolve. And yourself specifically, yeah. especially yourself as a specifically. woman, just as a person, yeah. we're all taught to yeah. downplay our own needs. You will have a good life, whether you spend it with this person for another minute or another mm -hmm. 60 years, if you look out for yourself first and think about what you want. And you can have a great future with this person. You can have a great future without them. Or anywhere on the spectrum in between where you see them sometimes more or less. And I just want to keep encouraging you to take care of yourself and your own needs like that. Yeah. And you're doing great. Yeah, you are. Thanks for asking this question. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. If you enjoyed this advice, if you got anything from it, if you want to send us an update or follow-up question, you know, our yeah. listeners would love to hear how this goes, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, you can email I would. us at freeadvicepodcast at gmail.com. Totally. 